Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good morning. Glad you're here. Make sure you have that connection card handy. We're going to use that in a little bit. A few weeks ago, I started the sermon series entitled Legends. My story needs their story. And so today we're talking about, uh, uh, we've been talking about these legends that are in the Bible. Legendary stories. They're absolutely true, but they're legendary stories. And we looked at um, uh, uh, Samson and Delilah, get out of your way. You know, you are your biggest problem. And then we looked at David and Goliath, get out of my way. God can help you overcome your problems. And then we looked at Jonah and the whale. You can run, but you cannot hide. And if you missed any of those sermons, go back and catch those. But today I want to talk about this. We're going to close out the series today and we're going to go to one story in the New Testament. And that story is this, Matthew chapter three, it's time to get pickled. It's not what you think it is. I'll I'll explain it a little little later. Matthew chapter three. I'm going to talk about the story of the baptism of Jesus. Asian Access, which is a Christian missions agency in South Asia, just recently released a list of seven questions that church planters are asking uh, new believers before they'll baptize them. Seven questions church planters are asking new believers because it's it's in an undisclosed country. It's primary, primarily Hebrew and Muslim countries. And so when someone chooses to accept Christ, that's one thing. But when they follow him in baptism, baptism is the public declaration of you following Christ. And so to let them understand the gravity of the situation in the country in which they are, church planners are asking these seven questions. Here they are. Look at these. Number one, are you willing to leave home and lose the blessing of your father? That they're telling these people who are about to get baptized that, that to have your bags packed, it's possible your, your family could kick you out. It's possible your family could disown you. And we, we don't understand the blessings of a father as much in our culture, but in other cultures, even in biblical culture, the blessing of a father meant so, so much to a family. And so if you publicly uh, renounce other religions and decide to follow Christ, you could lose your home and really be disowned. Number two, they ask him, are you willing to lose your job? In a country where jobs are scarce, in a country when one person with one job may feed an entire household, it's possible that your public declaration of Christ could cost you your livelihood and others as well. Number three, are you willing to go to the village and those who persecute you, forgive them and share the love of Christ with them? You, you are going to be persecuted. It's not a question of if but you are going to be persecuted after you are persecuted. Are you willing to turn around for the very people who persecuted you? Forgive them without them asking so that you can keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's sharing the love of Christ and the gospel with them. Number four, are you willing to give an offering to the Lord? Are you willing as a public declaration of Christ to uh, maybe put your money where your mouth is? And number five, Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Are you willing to suffer not just emotional 
and maybe mental abuse, but are you willing to suffer physical abuse and still stay true to Jesus? It's what it means to be baptized there. Number six, are you willing to go to prison because of your baptism? That when you are, when you are saved and when you publicly declare it through baptism, they, they may take away your freedom. They may trump up some charges and put you in jail and it, it could get worse. Number seven, they ask people who are going to be, get baptized, are you willing to die for Jesus? Are you willing to give your life for Jesus? That is a better picture of the significance of baptism to Christianity than what we even have in America today because when, when you get baptized in that situation, it, it means something. And I'll be truthful, I'm thankful to God for us living in a country where we're not in danger of losing our jobs or even losing our lives or suffering physical or even not much emotional abuse. And I'm thankful to God for that. But when you hear what they might lose, when you hear what it might cost them, you wonder, I mean, you really, really wonder, don't you? I wonder, would I choose to get baptized under the same circumstances. I mean, if we'd asked the 130 people we'd baptized this year, are, are you willing to suffer persecution, go to prison or die? I mean, would you, would you have been willing to be baptized? Would I? Have you taken baptism? Makes you wonder if you've taken baptism seriously enough. Makes you wonder if, has your commitment to Christ been as serious a commitment as what it ought to be. Some of you would even say this, well, preacher, little over the top, do you need to take it that seriously? Listen, Jesus would say yes. And he did take it that seriously. I, I did hear about a guy, I didn't take it so seriously. His name was Elmer and El, Elmer, man, I, I mean, I don't know how to say it. It just, he, he was just kind of the town drunk and Elmer had been out on a Saturday night and he had just went over the top. He was totally inebriated. The next morning, he's trying to take a shortcut home, walking through the woods. And it's about noon as he's walking through the woods, he stumbles upon the Baptist preacher in the creek, baptizing people after the morning service. And Elmer just kind of out of his mind, walks down to the Baptist preacher and, and the Baptist preacher knew who Elmer was and he grabbed him and he said, Elmer, are you ready to find Jesus? And Elmer said, I am. And so the preacher grabbed him with one hand and stuck him in the water, pulled him up. And he said, Elmer, have you found Jesus? Elmer said, no preacher, I ain't found Jesus yet. And so uh, this time the preacher grabbed him again. He's a little exasperated and he held him under the water for five seconds this time, man. And he pulled him back up and he said, Elmer, did you find Jesus? And Elmer said, no preacher, I didn't find Jesus. So this time the preacher is just a little put off and he grabs Elmer with two hands and he plunges him under the water. Instead of pulling him back up, he just lets him bubble for a second while he's under there. About 30 seconds later, arms start flailing and legs start flailing. He, he yanks Elmer up and Elmer's just wiping the water and coughing and spitting. And he said, for the love of God, Elmer, did you find Jesus? And Elmer wipes the water away and he said, no preacher, I didn't. Are you sure this is where he fell in? Well, Elmer didn't find him in the water, but we found Jesus in the water in Matthew chapter three. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? It's up on the screen. If, if you don't have your Bibles or couldn't find it, it's in Matthew chapter three, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. 
When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heaven suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, three we find Jesus. He'd been off the scene for 18 years. We've not heard a word about Jesus for 18 years. The last thing we heard about him when he was 12 years old and he got lost from his mom and dad at a festival. And Jesus has been raised by an obscure family. He's been raised in an obscure town called Nazareth. And now Jesus comes down uh, to the Jordan River where his cousin, John the Baptist, is baptizing people. And Jesus is coming down the ri- uh, to the river in order to launch his public ministry. Now, there's a big contrast. There's Pharisees and Sadducees there, and they're there just to observe and to criticize. But Jesus is coming down. He's recognizing the baptism of John the Baptist And he's saying to John the Baptist, I need to be baptized. It's really an unusual scene because John is baptizing a lot of people who are coming to the river and confessing their sin. And they came to the river because they had been burdened by their sin. And they want the burden of their sin taken away. But here comes Jesus who with no sin is coming down to begin his ministry where he will be burdened by all of our sin. And so Jesus is getting baptized. John the Baptist, as you would do, as I would do, said, uh, nope, let's do this the other way. You baptize me, Jesus, because you, you, you don't need to be baptized. And Jesus said, no, I want you to baptize me because this is ushering in the salvific plan of God. The salvation plan of God starts with this baptism. My ministry is going to launch with this baptism. So John the Baptist baptizes him and two things happen when he does. When he's baptized, the Bible says the spirit of God descends from heaven like a dove and lights on Jesus. And then God, the father speaks from heaven. It's the first time we visibly and audibly hear the Trinity together. God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to empower Jesus. God, the Father is there to approve of Jesus. And he says those words that we don't hear, but this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The verb in the Greek, uh, the tense of it tells us that what God was saying is I always am, always have been, and always will be pleased with my Son. It's the only time in history where God says, I am perfectly pleased with someone. Now we hear God brag on people. He bragged on Job and his righteousness. He said about David that he's a man after my own heart, but yet Job had sin and yet David had sin. And for the first time in all of human history, there is one without sin and it's his son, Jesus. And I, he says, I am perfectly pleased with Jesus. So how does this apply us. If Jesus thought baptism was important enough to be baptized and he didn't even need to be baptized, then this legend, this legendary story should spur us on as well. Because there are people in this room and there have been people here all day long in both of our earlier services. There have been people today who have finally raised a hand and said, I need to be baptized. That I need to follow the plan. I need to follow the example of Jesus. And today is the day that I will commit to being baptized. So I just want to use kind of the, that story of Jesus, that legendary story. And I want to, I want to preach this message today about six reasons you should be baptized. Let me give them to you. Number one is this, 
Baptism doesn't save you, but it shows the world you are saved. Baptism doesn't save you, but it shows the world you're saved. Get this, baptism is not part of salvation's plan. Now, there's some of you here that say, wait a minute, preacher, I think I read a verse somewhere. There is a verse, preacher, that says you have to get baptized. And listen, before you write me an email, I'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. Here it is, Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. There are entire denominations that build their whole denomination on that verse that you have to be baptized in order to be saved, but it's a serious logical mistake. Now, you don't have to remember this. Just look this way and follow along with me. It is a logical mistake called a negative inference fallacy that says if a statement is true, then all of the opposite statements may not be true. And so sometimes we think, well, if a statement is true, then all the opposite statements are true. It's not so. So if I were to say this to you, it's a silly example, but if I were to say to you, uh, a dog with brown spots is an animal, you'd say, amen. I thought you'd say amen, but you'd say, that's right, right? You know, but the opposite is not true. A dog without without brown spots is not an animal, is the opposite statement. Well, that's obviously not true. The negative inference of a dog with brown spots is false. Uh, let me just give it to you another way. If, if, if you said, if you said, if you, whoever believes in Jesus and lives in Kansas will be saved and whoever doesn't believe in Jesus will not be saved. Technically that is true. If you believe in Jesus and live in Kansas, you will be saved. But the, uh, the, uh, the negative inference is not true. For example, if you, if you believe in Jesus and live in Knoxville, then you may, well, that could be true. If you believe in Jesus, <laughs> sorry, uh, use another city. If you believe in Jesus and live in St. Louis, you know, the negative inference isn't true. You say, well, how do you know that in this case? Because over and over again, the Bible says putting your faith in Jesus is enough to save you. Let me give an example. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For you're saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not of works, so that no one can boast. See, anytime you add anything to faith in Christ, you're adding works to it. If you add baptism to it, that's a work. If you have living right, that's a work. If you came down to the altar and said, God, I've put my faith in you and my ability to live it, and I know I'm saved, you're lost. It is sola fide, faith alone saves you. Jesus said the same thing. John chapter five, a few pages over in your Bible. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. It doesn't say if you hear my word and believe in me and is baptized. Why? Because baptism doesn't save you. It just shows the world you've been saved. Nowhere in your Bible does the Bible say that if you do not get baptized, you are not saved. That creates all kinds of issues. Number one, you couldn't be saved by yourself. Did you know that? You can't baptize yourself. That's called taking a bath or going swimming. That doesn't work. (laughs) You'd have to have somebody there to save you. No, that we have examples in the Bible. The the thief on the cross, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today... After you're baptized, you'll be with me in paradise. It's not what he said. To a thief hanging on the cross who would never get off the cross alive, Jesus said this, today you'll be with me in paradise. The apostle said the same thing to Cornelius in the book of Acts. 
They said, today salvation has come to your house. They said that before he even left the house, there was absolutely no chance for Cornelius to be saved. At baptizing, he was already saved. All of that to say, and I could go on and on and on, baptism does not save you, but here's what it does do. It tells the world you've been saved. Baptism tells the world that you are not ashamed to be a follower of Christ that you are not ashamed that you believe in Jesus, that you're not ashamed of his church, of his word, of his witness, of his way. You are not ashamed. Baptism doesn't save you, but it does show the world you've been saved. See, the second reason you need to be baptized because number two, baptism is the stop of something. Don't, don't read the message. The message is not a good Bible study. It's not even a translation. It's a paraphrase, but I love the way it paraphrases Colossians 2.12. He says, going under the water was a burial of your old life. Baptism symbolically represents something. Here's what it represents. The old life is gone. Baptism doesn't wash away your sins. The blood of Jesus does that. Baptism represents that the life of living for pleasure is gone. That the life of living for yourself is gone. That the life of living for this world is gone. That the life of living for the flesh is gone. That the life of pleasing men is gone. Baptism symbolically represents your declaration that I have put the old me in the grave. When you're baptized, that when you're saved, that happens spiritually. We're told in Romans 6, 4, therefore we are, we're buried with him by baptism into death. Buried by baptism. Your public baptism says the old life is gone. Here's what that means. That that fellow, that teenager, that adult, that wife, that mom who had a filthy mouth is gone. That guy, gal that used to yell and scream and lose their temper is gone. The one that used to get drunk is gone. The one that used to lie and cheat and steal and run around is gone. Baptism is the stop of something. It says we are putting the old man in the grave and the old life has stopped. Number three, you ought to get baptized because baptism is the start of something. Here's the rest of Romans 6, 4. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. I'm not just stopping the old, but I'm starting the new. When you get baptized, it's like saying there's a new Joel in town now. So that means I'm not going to lie. That's the stop of something, but that's not good enough. Paul told us in Ephesians, it's not just good enough to get rid of the old man, but you've got to put on the new and baptism represents putting on the new. I'm not just going to stop lying, but now I'm going to start speaking the truth. I'm not just going to start, stop yelling. Now I'm going to start speaking blessing. I'm not just going to uh, stop uh, being angry. I'm going to start favoring people. It means it means no more temper, yes, but it means now I live a life of patience. Uh, the new life means I'm going to work harder. I'm going to talk better. I'm going to live cleaner. I'm going to love deeper than I've ever done it before. Baptism doesn't just say I'm stopping something. Baptism says I'm starting something as well. It tells the world you have a new identity and the old me is gone, but the new me is here. Number four, the reason you ought to get baptized is this. Baptism is the first obedience. 
You're familiar with these verses, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Here's the order. Let me help you out with the Christian life, all right? Here's the order of the Christian life. Don't miss this. Here it is. Here's how the Christian life goes. Number one, you're saved. Number two, you're baptized. Number three, you learn of Jesus and grow in him. And number four, you live the Christian life. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. You say, preacher, I need a book. No, you don't need a book. Number one, you get saved. Number two, you get baptized. Number three, you learn more about Jesus and grow in him. And number four, you, you do what you're learning. And as you learn, you, you start doing. And so it just keeps going and that's it. You get saved, you get baptized, you learn about Jesus and you start living for him. That is the Christian life. And can I tell you, one reason you may be struggling with the Christian life is that you have never scripturally been baptized in the right order. Baptism is the first obedience. You will not get far in your walk with the Lord if you skip baptism. Hey, how many teenagers are in middle school? Let me see your hand. You're in middle school? Middle school, raise your hand. Wow, we have so many middle schools in our church all around the building. Yeah, it doesn't get any worse than middle school. Just so you know, it gets better. Right? Amen, church? Like, it gets better. If I could start my life over again, it would not be in sixth grade. I'm just telling you. Like, mine was seventh grade for me. I wouldn't. But, you know, there's a reason you don't start school in sixth grade. You know what that reason is? Because you need first grade. You need kindergarten. Some of you need kindergarten like twice, you know, in first grade like twice. Like, we need it. Get it, man. Get it while you're there. It's good. Get it while you're there. If you knew what was coming in middle school, you'd stay in first grade as long as you could. Middle school's rough. There's a reason you don't start in middle school. You know what it is? Because you need what you got in the kindergarten, the first grade, and second grade. Here in the South, we call it reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? It's not spelling, but it's reading, writing, and arithmetic. You can't skip the first. And when you skip baptism, it's like you're skipping first grade. Hey, can I tell you this? Look this way. The first act of obedience sets the tone for the rest of your walk with God. What do you mean, preacher? Are you going to obey God or just obey the parts you want to obey? If you're not baptized after you're saved, it's like you're telling God, hey, God, I'm going I'm to pick and choose the parts I like. I'm going to pick and choose the parts I, I want to obey. No, baptism is the first obedience. That's why baptism must come after salvation. And some of you here today, your, your testimony is like mine. And, and then I made a profession and then I was put, dunked in a lake. And then later on, I really got saved. And after I really got saved, I had to get baptized again. Why? The first time was just practice. Because baptism is after salvation and it's the first obedience. Number five, let me tell you this. You need to be baptized because baptism brings you into the family. First Corinthians 12 tells us, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. Now, that baptism there is talking about the spirit baptism that happens the moment you get saved, but the water physical baptism is a representation of what happened when you were saved. And that is this, you, when you're saved, you are baptized into the body. You are placed into the body of Christ. And water baptism represents the same thing. When you are water baptized, you know why we clap? Because we are saying, welcome to the family of God. 
Your identity, your baptism is your identity with a group of believers. Listen, that's why when we baptize you in our church, you become a member of our church because when you go through the rite in the, of baptism, here's what we're saying. You are now part of the family of Pevine when you are baptized into this local body of Christ because spiritually when you were saved, you were baptized into the global body of Christ of all time and eternity. But when you're baptized here on earth, it's, it, it's, it's the rite that says, welcome to the family. And we clap, not just for life change. We clap, not just because we're excited you got saved. We clap because that's us saying, welcome to the family. And finally, number six, why should we be baptized? Because baptism preaches the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 is the most succinct version of the gospel we have in scriptures, and I bet you couldn't say what it says. Paul said, for I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, here is the clearest picture of the gospel we have in the New Testament. Here's the gospel. Get this. The death of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. Nobody took his life from him. He freely gave it, freely gave his blood to pay for our sins. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But get this, we never mention the second part, that he was buried. He was placed in a tomb, swallowed up by the earth. And that three days later, he rose again. He said, well, why do we got to talk about the, the, the burial of Jesus, because there's some people that teach that Jesus, uh, some cults teach that Jesus fainted. There, there are some cults that teach that, you know, he had a high fever and he didn't feel good for a few days and he got up. No, Jesus was dead. And they wrapped him up and they put him in a grave as dead as he could be, dead, buried. But the gospel is three days later, he rose from the dead. Now, I want you to follow this with me. That is the symbolic meaning of baptism. Had some come out and tell me after that, at the second service said, I've never ever seen that before, so follow me. Pay attention. Here, here's baptism. Here, follow this. Here's the gospel. The death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, putting him in the grave, raising again on the third day. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. What does that look like? It looks like when somebody's getting baptized, the death of Jesus as they're standing up, applied to your sins, buried that old life and raised again to walk in you. Death, burial, resurrection. That's why when, when, when we baptize someone, we say, baptize in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. When you are baptized, you are preaching the gospel. Listen, that's why we get baptized after salvation. We did our staff retreat, uh, and it, to call it a retreat is a real stretch of words. We did our staff off-campus work week. We're in meetings for nine to 10 hours uh, every day when we go away for two or three days and we review the old year and we look forward uh, to the new year. And this year, when we first arrived, I had us sit around the fireplace and I had the nine guys that were there, uh, all of us give our salvation testimony. I, I'll do that, I'm gonna do something with that one time because I didn't know when the majority of them were actually saved and that's what we're all about and I wanted to hear their story but 
I was nine-year-old boy, and I won't tell you my whole story, it's too long, but I was a nine-year-old boy, and on a Sunday night after church, I was walking outside to play football with some boys and throw a football, and uh, my pastor stopped me, I was nine years old, stopped me at the back door, and he said, Joel, do you want to go to hell? Dude, I thought he was getting a busload up that night. Like, I, 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 I like, like I, don't, I don't know what comes behind that, but like, I, no, 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 I don't want to, no. Like, I, I didn't buy a ticket to hell, dude. Like, I, I didn't mean to do whatever I did. I didn't mean to do it. And he, 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 he took me down to the altar, and everybody prayed on me. And I was lost when I got up. I knew it was, but I was crying because everybody else was crying. And they took me to the lake a week or two later, and they, they dumped me in the water. And it was years later, December 23rd, 1980, that I got up in the middle of the night under heavy conviction and went and woke my parents and prayed to receive Jesus. And did you know that I didn't say, well, I've been baptized, took care of that. No, I didn't get baptized the first time. I just, I just went for a swim in the pool in the lake. And I got baptized for real after I was saved. Because baptism preaches the gospel and it comes after salvation, death, burial, resurrection. That's why, by the way, that's why we as Baptists in most denominations dunk people. So I put you under the water because it represents the burial of Jesus Christ and the burial of my old life into the grave. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. It is the gospel of Jesus. Baptism preaches the gospel. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. How many of you remember the title of my sermon? Let me see. Anybody remember the title of my sermon? See, a couple of you do. It was something about being pickled. Do you remember that? And Nicander was a Greek poet and physician who around 200 BC left us a lot of poetry, left us a lot of medical information, but Nicander was also a cook. And he, he wrote in Greek and he, he, he left us recipes. Kind of like Guy Fieri. You know, he was a Guy Fieri poet kind of guy back in the day. Drove a Corvette chariot back then. And he's a real cool dude. And so he left a recipe for making pickles. And in his recipe, Nicander said, he said, why do we, why do we get dunked? Here's what Nicander said. He said, first the vegetable must be dipped. It's the Greek word babto into boiling water. And then after it's dipped into boiling water, it must then be immersed, and it's the Greek word baptizo, into a vinegar solution. Both of the words inform us how we're to be baptized. The the first word is a temporary dunking. The, The second word is a permanent dunking. And it represents what happens physically and spiritually. Physically on earth, we are temporarily dunked into the water. Spiritually in heaven, we are permanently placed into the body of Christ. Babto and baptizo. So in effect, Nicander would say, if you've been saved, you need to get pickled. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. I'm talking mainly to three groups of people here today. I'll deal with the third one in a moment. But the first group is, 
You've been saved, but you've never been baptized. And you keep putting it off and you're worried about being in front of people. You say, well, I have to get baptized in front of people. You do because it is a, it's your public declaration of Christ. We couldn't make it easier for you. We don't even baptize you in the room where 700 people are. We baptize you in a secret location somewhere. Yeah, you need to be baptized. It's your public declaration of Christ. And there's some of you here today that, listen, you made a profession, you got dunked, and then you got saved. And you say, well, preacher, I've been dunked. Is that good enough? No, every time you go swimming, you get dunked, but it's not baptism. The Christian order is saved, baptized, learning Jesus, living for him. And there, there are people all over this room. There have been people all morning, all morning. They said, I've not got my baptism in the right order. You say, it doesn't matter. It matters so much in the Christian life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to get the connection card and put it in your hand. Get a pencil, a pen, something. Get a connection card and put it in your hand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. And I, I'm honestly, I'm going to make this as simple as I can for you. I don't know how to make it any simpler than this. We're not asking you to be baptized today. We're asking you to commit to baptism. We've had people all morning long make this commitment. And here's what we're asking you to do. If you need to be baptized, you've been saved, but you need to be baptized. On that card is a place for you to check, I need to be baptized. And I want you to check it. And then here's what I want you to do. Our staff is going to walk up the aisles and nobody's looking but me and the staff. Our staff is walking up the aisles. There's a staff member on every aisle. And here's all I want you to do. If you need to be baptized, I just want you, we're not doing it today. I want you to hold that card up in the air. Would you hold it up? And here's what they're going to do. They're going to give you a t-shirt that says today is my day and that's your placeholder till we can schedule your baptism. All right. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your card. I need to be baptized. Ready? One, two, three. Hold that card up in the air quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Hold that card in the air. Our staff member is going to come by. Say, I need to be baptized. You may be a teenager, adult. Listen, we've had senior adults all morning raise their hand. I need to be baptized. Right here's one, Denny, right up here in the middle. Somebody else quickly. Hey, I need to be baptized. Hold that card up. Hold it up. Today's the day. Today's the day you're finally going to take this and do that first obedience and get your walk with Christ in the right order the way it should be. Hold that card up. Hold it up and just say, Today's my day. I'm making the commitment today. You don't have to get baptized today, but you're going to make the commitment today. I'm going to do it. Just hold that card up. Hold it up. I, boy, I don't want to close the service till you've, you've been obedient because you're going to leave and your heart's going to be heavy, heavy, heavy. And you're going to be miserable today if I'm talking to you and you don't make that commitment. Couldn't be any easier. Nobody's looking but me and a couple staff guys. Couldn't be easier. Hold, hold it up. Here we go. Hold it up. And just say, that's me today me. All right, guys, stay right where you are. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The third group I want to talk to are people who maybe never been saved. You can't be baptized because you've never done the first thing. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to be saved today. You say, preacher, can I do it today in one day? Yep, you can do it in one minute. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if your, heart's in, if your heart's desires to trust Jesus and be saved and know that heaven is your home, I want you to pray with me today. It's not the words you say, but the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus. Pray this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that Christ died on the cross for my sin. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day. 
and just now invite Christ into my life to save me, forgive me my sin, and give me a home in heaven. I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. And while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You may be at Rock Spring, you may be at Rossville. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, wherever you are. If you just prayed to receive Jesus, just there's a place on that card to check it. And wherever you are, I just want you to hold that card up. They're going to do the same deal. They're going to give you a t-shirt and trade that t-shirt for a card. There's staff members at both locations. Just hold that card up and say, I prayed to receive Jesus. And they'll trade. So hold the card up. We're not going to embarrass you to call you out. Do anything weird. Just going to give you a t-shirt. Say, I prayed to receive Jesus. Hold that card up. At Rossville, hold that card up. Rock Spring, I just prayed to receive Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's, here's what we're about to do. Our staff's gonna be up here at front. If you have a question about being baptized or joining the church or even becoming a Christian, I want you to just come tell them you wanna join our church, come tell them that. After the service, our staff will be at our Next Step stations in back of the room at Rossville. They're over to the side. You'll see them there at Rossville, but they're here at Rock Spring, they're in back of the room. And if you'll just go to the Next Step station after church, you can talk about baptism, salvation, or join the church there. But let's stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, I pray you draw us this morning with your spirit as you have spoken to us through your word. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.